Hello and welcome to Almost 30 Podcast. <laughs> How's it going? How's it going, everyone? Hope you're well, you know. You know. <laughs> Everybody, everyone lately, they've been like, how are you? And I'm like, and I've been actually saying I'm not good. I'm like, I'm, I'm actually not, not really doing well. And it's like so... It's just funny how like radical that is. Radical. Well, but then it also opens conversation and then I'm like, I don't want to talk about it. I've, well, people are so used to saying, how are you? And just getting mm-hmm. good. It's like the usual flow. Yes. How are you? Good. How are you? Good. Mm-hmm. And then we move on. But I actually like that you said that you're not doing well. Mm-hmm. Not that I like that you're not doing well, but it, to your point, it does kind of open up an actual exchange of feeling. Yeah. <laughs> and it surprises people. Mm-hmm. They're like, oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have the tools for that. Yeah, honestly, later. like I'm scared and I'm out. Um, <laughs> if you're new, welcome to the show. My name is Krista. And I'm Lindsay. And we started Almost 30 a few years ago when we were almost 30. And it was just, yeah, that time where uh, a big transition, lots happening, lots of questions and fears and just, again, kind of this feeling of like not being well. Yes. <laughs> and being just... It's funny too, like I've noticed the thread and I don't know if it was Mark Groves or another interview we did recently, but someone else was saying like, yeah, when I was 30, shit really went down. It feels like such a consistent theme, not only in our lives Mm -hmm. as being transformational, but in the interviews that we have where people just have these like extremely profound moments or like coming to Jesus times Mm -hmm. when they turn, you know, when they're going through their Saturn return. And if you feel that way, it's kind of, it's like a a truth that you can no longer ignore yes. just keeps knocking you know and the door finally opens and you know what what we saw you know in our late 20s early 30s was like having to do with relationships and our health and our careers and just looking at what was working what wasn't and being very honest and real with ourselves which sounds like yeah that's what we do but it's it wasn't for mm-hmm. me. At least I was not being honest with myself in so many ways. And it was actually really painful to finally be honest with myself. But the work is worth it. Still going through it. I know, honestly. <laughs> and then, you know, a few years goes by, you get some you get some listeners and then you're back, you're <laughs> you're back, back in, in it. Into your depression. Oh, <laughs> uh, yes. Yeah. I was like, I watched um, Love on the Spectrum. Mm-hmm. It's on Netflix. Have you seen it? It's on my list. It is. I have not binged some, I binged. I remember the last time I binged something was insecure when I was mm-hmm. sick. When I, like a few years ago, watched the whole season. It is unreal. I've heard, and it was perfect things. because I really needed to cry, mm-hmm. and it was such a great impetus for my crying evening. It was so beautiful. The families are so unreal. So, love on the spectrum is about. It's an Australian show. It's an Australian like dating show in quotes, based out of or based out of Australia, sorry. And these people on the spectrum, just finding love and dating and in relationships. And it was, it's just so beautiful. Like it is not patronizing. It is like powerful and just loving and like fun. And everyone just has fun. Like, I don't know. It was just so beautiful. Mm. But then it was heart, you know, it's heartbreaking at times too. But it was such a great, I don't know. I just, usually I, I shy away from shows like that because I'm like, oh, I'm going to feel too much. I'm going to get really emotional. But I was like, let's do this. And yeah. it was so good. I love Netflix for that in terms of just them bringing what is normal mm-hmm. for someone on the spectrum to be dating and having just these real life and real time 
experiences and moments and making it and having people see it Mm -hmm. on such a large scale is I think like so, so healing for the world because we're so used to seeing like the, you know, the macho guy and the girl and then they fall in love and they do this. And it's like, let's see love in every, every way. And the relationships of, of, they show, so they show some people in relationships were so incredible. I was like, you have like got it down. Like they just were. (laughs) The communication is incredible. Yeah. Everything was incredible. And also too, what's so beautiful about people on the spectrum and you see it through the episode, like there's so many things. They brought so much joy to their family Mm. for everything, but also like the honesty. Yeah, It's almost like part of it is like, you're just incredibly honest. And it's like, you just speak truth to so many things Mm. where that's seen as like socially, you know, challenging because that's what they say on the show. They call it like, you know, socially challenging in certain ways. But it's like, that's like their superpowers. Like they just speak honesty to everything. You know, like at the end of every, a lot of the dates, they'd be like, do you want to see me again? And they would literally be like, no, I don't think so. Like they would just say, they'd be like, I don't think so. We should just be friends and just like move on. Like there's no ghosting. There's no like, they just are so honest and like loving. And there's one that his name's Michael. He was my favorite, one of the characters. And he would just say, he's like, my goal in life is to be a husband. He just wanted to be a husband. He's like, and talks about, you know, how he's going to treat his wife and all these things. But yes, that. You guys have to watch mm. Love on the Spectrum tonight. Yeah, continue the the cry fest. Cry, um, Sean left today, so I'm like unstable. Yes. But... Did you cry in the car? <laughs> oh, I've been crying all morning. Well, I've been crying since yesterday, and it's it's just strange. I'm like, what is this? Yeah, I know it's because he's leaving. It's like a, that's the superficial reason, but I'm like, what is this? Like, it's just kind of like this deep, like from your toes type of cry. But I think it's it's really just rooted in how good the last three months have been. Speak it, sister. I know I'm literally just cry crying again. right now. <laughs> <laughs> I literally walked into the bedroom and I saw that his like his toiletries weren't there anymore and I got weepy. Oh. I like literally looked, you know, yes. just, it's actually cleaner now and I'm I'm sad. <laughs> There's no papers everywhere. There's I'm no like, pineapple banana juice. This is very, very odd. But I'm actually excited for just kind of the new season, what this like feels and looks like using what we've learned over the past three months and just how much closer we've gotten. But yeah, I don't know. I'm feeling a little hollow today. Mm-hmm. Literally, <laughs> a little, a little naked. Yeah, very, very much naked. And he doesn't cry. Obviously, dudes, dudes don't cry, right? Um, we all know that, y'all. <laughs> um, we started our show to confirm that guys don't cry. <laughs> but he's so like you know, in the way that he communicates and with his words, he definitely expresses himself, which just makes me cry and have no words. So Mm. I feel kind of, it's like imbalanced where I'm like, I want to say so much, but I can't. But yeah, it's, it's been, I'm sure a lot of people understand whether they've had to like leave loved ones and during this time is so unpredictable, which is like that added layer of like, why I'm kind of like, when will I see him again? But Yeah. So we have an episode together today. Yes. <laughs> Cheers, y'all. Sean's last day. You guys get the full tea. <laughs> the full tea. The full tea. Yeah, we sat down uh, just a couple of days before he left. And it was just really nice. I think I prefaced it and our, my intention was just to have like a very open conversation about the last three months and just 
and you know tell you guys about our story because I think I've told you just little tidbits. But yeah, I was very honest. Very honest. He was very honest because there are moments during this time during three months where you know, I've just learned a lot. I've learned a lot about like being in a biracial relationship, his experience as a black man, which I will never understand. You know, there's just so much that has come up and yeah, I can always depend on him to be very honest with me. Yeah. He's the realist. He's the realist, but yeah, I'm excited and no, there will not be video for this pod. I feel like everyone's going to be like, let's go to YouTube, but we just decided to uh, have just an audio convo and um, I'm excited for you guys to to meet him. It's probably the first and the last time, you know. <laughs> Honestly. Oh man, I'm so excited, dude. This is going to be so incredible. So this will be such a fun conversation for y'all and for everyone in our community. Um, and before we get into the episode, just so you know, in the shop, almost 30 page on our website, we have tons of workshops on anxiety, human design, energy healing, um, intuition, sexuality. There's just so mm-hmm. much there for you. So make sure to go to the shop almost30.com to check out our merch and some amazing things in our shop. Yeah. And of course, our apparel, our collaboration with Danny of Daisy LA. It's sustainable. It's eco-friendly. It is designed for you all out there, really inspired by you. It's unique. It's comfy. would love for you to check it out. And if you're wearing it out there, Tag us, almost 30 threads. It's been just a blast to see you all rocking it. Yeah, it's so soft. I wear it all the time. So soft. I love it so much. Shopalmost30.com to check it out. Yes. And then you can also check out any of our sponsor codes with our amazing partners on our website too, under the partners tab. We have tons of discount codes there for you guys. So make sure to always check that out when you guys are shopping. Yeah. And as we mentioned, we're on YouTube now. So check it out. We have uh, yeah, video podcast. Krista and I dress up every day. Check it out. Uh, hilarious. We, <laughs> we have two little buns. We look hilarious. Little buns. <laughs> um, okay, y'all. We really appreciate you. We will uh, see you on the other side. Enjoy this one. I'm so excited. I am here with my love, Sean. Finally on the pod. Okay, you can talk now. Perfect. <laughs> He's like, how long is your intro? <laughs> Hi, babe. Hey. Hi, everyone. I, I've been wanting to have Sean on the pod for, for quite some time. And as with everything... The timing is always perfect and divine. And I just feel so good about bringing some of our conversations and our experiences that we've had between each other, not all of them, but so many of them to this conversation today and my intention, which I want you to share your intention. But my intention is really to be honest, to share from my heart and to just hopefully make people listening feel like they can also communicate about their feelings, their faith, maybe their questions about race, maybe the very complicated layers of any relationship they have. Because as I think I've learned so much within our relationship thus far is the importance of communication. And it sounds really simple and we hear it all the time, but it has freed so many parts of me. So 
That's what I hope that this conversation makes people feel. How about you? <laughs> Damn, that's, a, that's an incredible intro. My intention, you know, I've long wanted to come on and just kind of tell my and our truth. And so I think my intention is less about ensuring what the listeners hear as much as it is just giving another perspective. And whether that's from, you know, how we came together, how it started, how it's been these last three months being out here, what it's been like with some of the race relations and, you know, some of my struggles within the relationship before and all that, you know, I say it often, but hopefully in me telling my story, it becomes a lighthouse and allows other people to, as you said, you know, just feel more comfortable or confident in knowing that they too may not have all the answers. Yeah. Um, speaking of our story, I feel like it is important to give your experience <laughs> and, <laughs> and perspective because I really haven't shared at length on the podcast. So I've shared that we have known each other for eight years. I've shared that coming back together now has felt completely different. So yeah, I really haven't shared a lot. And that was intentional because I wasn't really sure if I wanted to share a lot because it's a new thing for me to be quote unquote a public figure and be in a relationship, period. Period. That was the end of the sentence. But you know what I mean? It's very, it's very interesting. It's the first time you're doing it too. So I want to be cognizant of that. But yeah, I'd love to um I'd love for you to share your experience <laughs> of our story. Our long, tumultuous at times, circumlocutous story. Interesting. So yeah, look, we met probably eight years ago at a bar in New York City, which will remain nameless. And it was funny because I, I always tell people from the moment I saw you, there was something. And I'm a hopeless romantic, but I don't want to say the corny it was love at first sight because it wasn't. It definitely was not a love. It was an attraction. But there was definitely more than, a, oh, she's aesthetically beautiful. It was like, there's something else here. And I don't know if it's the way you handled yourself, you know, when I would see you or even as I being the hopeless romantic, uh, quote unquote, followed you around the city at points to other bars you worked at uh, <laughs> to ensure that you saw me. Yeah, it was interesting. And, you know, we had our fits and starts with dating and going out and doing different things. But I, I think the the reconnection is what was so crazy because even when I would come out to California um, to see clients, et cetera, and I would see you here, there were points where it was strictly platonic. Right. And there was not a thought of, oh, we're going to be together in the future. It was nothing like that as much as we just connected on a different level. And the reconnection, I guess you can say, was everything because I was, you know, I had just gotten out of something. I was not looking to be in a relationship by any stretch of the means. And I just remember praying, right? I remember saying, you know, Lord, I think I've used the talents you've given me incorrectly. And you've given me the gift of God, the ability to talk to people and connect with people. And for a long time, I'd use that to proactively chase women. And not to say that was outright bad, but I never connected with someone holistically, right? Whether it was physically, it was great. Emotionally, it was great. Spiritually, it was great. But I never kind of had that full body experience. And I had prayed saying, you know, I, I want to take a step back. I want to follow you. And the next woman you bring in my life or the next person you bring in my life, um, once there's that feeling or once something happens that I know, like a trigger, um, then I'll use the talents that you've given me. 
And so, you know, it's pretty bananas, but on that wonderful evening where we went out to dinner when we reconnected and I remember, well, um, <laughs> you know, I was hot. I walked in a little late and I was tight because I just got an email. For the email. first time ever, I was early. <laughs> but I just got an email from a pseudo mentor, for lack of a better word where he just crushed me on so many different things. But again, and we'll get to this later on, but it was actually listening to what he was saying or getting the the real juice of it as opposed to getting caught up in my emotions that when I articulated that story to you and you know, a third of the way through the meal when you kind of looked at me side eyes and said, you know, Sean, a lot of times when we're talking about what we want in a partner, I feel like we're talking about one another. I was like, Damn, that was that was kind of the moment for me. And that wasn't the moment that I knew we were going to be together, but that was the moment that I knew that this time was different in terms of it had long been me chasing you. And not that you were chasing me, but I think you just opened the door for me to eventually kick down. Mm. Yeah, I I just think both of us changed so so much over those eight years. And I just going back to when we initially met to bring some color into like where I was, I was fresh out of a long-term relationship that I thought was going to be my person. I mean, we have that one where we're like 24, 25, we're like, this is the one. And then it just turns out so differently. And it's, you know, I was so caught up in my emotions and the devastation of who I thought I was, was and who I was going to be and what my life was going to look like. And so when someone like you entered my life that night at the bar and you you asked me out, we had a conversation, then you uh, politely asked me out. I felt like it was different and it scared me. I was like, I don't know if I am worthy of this, truly. And I don't say that to say it because like, oh, feel bad for me. I don't have self-worth. It was more just like, I, I didn't really see what you were seeing in me. And so it was hard to receive. I said, yes, we had a great first date and subsequent years of reconnecting. <laughs> and <laughs> But I was always running from the feeling that you gave me, which was, oh, wow. Like he truly sees me, all parts of me, and also sees the potential in me. Um, that I didn't see in myself. And what was scary about that was like, if I'm in a relationship with Sean, I'm really going to have to like become myself. And it was terrifying. It was easier to chameleon and be what the other person in the relationship needed me to be in order to feel secure within themselves. My MO had always been like just orchestrating an experience so the other people felt good. And if it meant that I was kind of sacrificing my comfort, then that was okay. So you really called me into being who I am fully. And I just wasn't ready for that for a very long time. My soul knew it the entire time. Looking back, I'm like, oh my God. My soul knew the entire time. I would get butterflies every time I saw you, but my head was like, mm-mm, mm-mm. Nope, 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 no, nope. Like not the time, not, not this. 
And so when we reconnected in 2019, like late, late 2019, I I was just a completely different person. I had done therapy for over a year and a half. I had just done so much inner work. I hate to say that because everyone's saying that, but I had done so much work and I had really uncovered my blocks and my subconscious programming that had held me back for so long, whether it was relationships or with my career, with my passions and creativity. And I continued to do so. Definitely not done. But I just felt different. I felt so free when I saw you. I felt so... I just felt like I could be myself and and also be seen and be be... I say loved, but at the time it was just like really appreciated for that. And I was... I wasn't running away. And I was like, "Mm, this is a new thing. How did you feel? Coming out of, you know, like obviously you were coming out of something, not expecting to like necessarily be in something else. It's like, did you have any reservations? Well, to to be clear, (laughs) I was not expecting to be in a relationship. (laughs) (laughs) No, how did I feel? Look, I, I sincerely appreciate you saying what you just said because even though you know we've been together now for a little bit it's still nice to hear those things and i think that goes back to the communication where sometimes people just assume things oh you know we're together so you know just trust it but i think it was my doing the work too and look i know i'm not for everyone right and i get that and i think i used to fear that i was coming on too strong or people would give me the word intense And that's just because I would ask very direct questions and everyone's not ready for that because everyone doesn't want to have to dig deep, right? Everyone, or I shouldn't say everyone, a lot of people, you know, could tell me about their favorite celebrity that they see on Instagram or a lot of aesthetics. But when it comes to actually looking deep into themselves, that's scary because some of the answers you may find may not be what other people think about you. And if they do find out, then they may no longer quote unquote, like you or love you. And what was cool about when we reconnected was you were no longer afraid of that, right? And I say that because I don't need you, right? And and you don't need me. And when I say that to people like, oh my, you shouldn't say that. Like love is all encompassing. And look, everyone views things differently. But I really feel like our relationship in particular is one plus one equals three. And you're good on your own. I'm good on my own. And we bring out the best in one another but we're also growing because those, you know, deep dark spots that most people don't know when we have conversations about them it's not the other person I don't I don't hope you feel or I hope you don't feel this way but it's not me judging you or saying, you know, you're wrong for thinking this. It's like, yo, babe, you got work to do. And by the way, I'm going to be right here when you're doing the work. But it's the moment that I feel like you're no longer comfortable doing the work or even worse, you don't even want to engage in those conversations because you're a lot better being comfortable or complacent. Like, I don't got time for that. Mm -hmm. And maybe that is because I grew up a black man in this country and I always had to try to be better than, you know, my counterparties. And I don't know, maybe that was ingrained in me at a very young age, but you are someone who I think has always been willing to do the work and the hard work and the work that no one sees. And that is incredibly attractive. Thank you. Let me let me bring everyone up to speed in terms of us spending the last three months together. We can always go back and, and forth. But I think what you just said makes me think about 
There have been so many moments, especially in the beginning of us being together these three months in quarantine, where I I was so scared that me working through something, whether it had to do with you or not, but you bearing witness to it or being a part of it would would scare you away or make you or allow you to see something about me that would warrant you just not wanting to have any part of me. And I'm still kind of working on where where that comes from. I think on a surface level, like just growing up, wanting to be good, wanting to be liked, wanting to, you know, be accepted, validated in all the ways. And so for someone to see, someone I care about to see a part of me that's still very much in process and might be a little messy is like, I didn't realize how uncomfortable it would be. But you really, I think one of your greatest gifts is to hold space for people, you know, to be themselves. You know, I I never once felt judged, but I always felt like you were going to give me the truth, which, y'all, if you don't know Sean, he's very truthful <laughs> and very direct. And there are times when I'm like, whoa, okay. <laughs> ah, like it kind of, sometimes it hurts because like, it is the truth. And like I do, you know, truth does hurt sometimes because I think the longer that we've spent, I've spent um, avoiding the truth or not, you know, necessarily looking at it for what it is. Ooh, like when you finally look at it, it's it's a 360 experience of like, who have I been? Can I trust myself? Like, what do people think of me? It's just very intense, but... I've just learned so much there. Like, where do you think you've learned how to hold that space? And why is it so important to you? I mean, that's a hell of a question. I don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't, I don't know the answer to that. I think as I think about it right now, being raised by a single woman who was born and raised in Jamaica, I think it was just seeing how hard my mom worked. To, to take care of me and my brother and for her to be a nurse, you know, and still provide to put me in a small private high school and then through a really prestigious liberal arts school. And not that she didn't complain, but she did it, right? Like she figured it out. And for me to not be able to provide an avenue for someone else to like express themselves. Uh, I think it was something that I saw my mom struggle with at times Mm. because she always felt the need to be so strong that I honestly think any strength gone too far becomes a weakness. And I say that because for her to have to go to work and still not tell her whole story or her whole truth because she didn't want that to bring down, you know, what she had spent so long building I respect the hell out of that, but that's not me. And I want people who are close to me to understand that I'm someone who isn't here to shoulder all your burdens, but if I can help make your load a little lighter so that we can get further together, Mm -hmm. then I'm with it. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, I feel like for most of my life, I felt like I just, and you've said this about me to me, that I'm independent to a fault at times where I just feel like I need to shoulder things, whether it's my own feelings by myself. And I, that's also what was tough about it because I was kind of working with you through things and I was not used to that. But it just taught me so much about the value of the value of deepening a relationship through those really hard moments and vulnerable moments where you just feel like you're a big fat open wound, you know? I just think that's like kind of the entry point that a lot of people miss because it is so uncomfortable and so hard. You said to me a lot, you said it before, that's why I wrote it down. This has nothing to do with you. (laughs) And when you say that to me, we can put it in various contexts. It's been such a cool learning because I didn't realize how many situations, whether with you or other people, that I wrapped up my own worth, value, and or just wrap myself up in it when it had nothing to do with me. And, you know, really looking at it, there's kind of like the ego in there. And there's um, me feeling like I need to manage everyone's experience. And so you saying that to me so directly at times, at first I was like, ouch, okay, got it. But it's been such a good learning for me because I've been able to reclaim like my my autonomy in my spirit, right? Like I just felt like my spirit was off like running and like wrapping itself up with other people. And you saying that to me brings me directly into presence, out of my head, into my heart, and really empowers me. Thank you. I know I had all that juice. (laughs) (laughs) But no, and look, I think a lot of people do it and you've seen it from the opposite spectrum where because I sit in front of my computer all day and, you know, work email and Bloomberg are up, I'll send someone an email. And if they don't respond within 10 minutes, I'm like, what the hell's going on? Why didn't they respond? And so it's just, it's such a humbling experience because, you know, we can think about it when we first reconnected and I'm in New York and you're out here and, you know, you shoot me a text and I don't respond for a couple hours. Why didn't he respond? Did he not see it? Did he not like what I said? And, And we all go into like our own self-talk about what we think is happening and we put images on what may or may not be true. Whereas I'm in New York at work, engaged in something and I didn't even see your text message and you already run 17, you know, different scenarios about not only what could have this happened. This is hypothetical. But, this didn't happen. <laughs> I am not. But what I'm your not, response is going to be. And, you know, I, I, I think that's why self-talk is just so important because yeah. we talk to ourselves more than any other person. And if you're constantly negative, that's just going to bring you down and tend to bring down others who you engage with. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's been... I, I remember a specific situation when um, I, bu- I believe... It's a little fuzzy. Time is so interesting with COVID and, and all of it. Um, but in the wake of George Floyd's murder, and I... 
I took your grief, anger, I took all of what you were experiencing and felt, mm, I think it was like half felt like I couldn't do anything and half felt like a certain, I felt a certain way because neither of us necessarily could express fully what we were feeling. And you, there was a moment where in so many words, you were like, this has nothing to do with you. And I was like, you're completely right. And it was just such a, a humbling moment. And that's to put it very lightly. I was just like very much rocked into reality and really looking at not only my privilege, but understanding your experience in a whole other way. Not just understanding for aesthetics, but understanding because you are, you know, you are my partner, like, and wanting to, because you are my partner, it is like, it is so it's so right in front of me, right? Like in a way that's never been right in front of me before. And yeah, I just, that changed me. Like that moment definitely changed me. Okay. So, so now we're going deep. Um, because a couple of things about what you said, to be clear, you'll never understand my experience. Right. I'm a black man who was raised in this country. You're never going to understand. The most important thing for me was your willingness to engage and to try to understand. And that's a lot further than a lot of people, regardless of if they were my partner or not, have done. And that meant a lot to me. But I also think knowing you as well as I do, you tend to be a fixer, right? Like you want to fix things and you want to make them better. And particularly when I couldn't articulate how I was feeling because the range of emotion happened so quickly, so rapidly, and it was just so continuous where there were times I didn't even want to be around you because you're white. And what did that mean for me? Is this a person I'm going to marry? Is this a person I'm going to be with? And then there were times where all I wanted to do was jump into your arms and cry like a baby because I didn't know which way was up. And, you know, that was a really scary time because the existential crisis is, okay, I'm looking myself in the mirror. This is the woman I know I want to be with. It's such a blessing that I am able to be here with her while this is going on because I don't know what it would have been like if we were still doing long distance and I was experiencing this stuff and you wanted to talk and I wasn't answering my phone and my phone was in, you know, airplane mode and then having to deal with work. Like I can't even fathom what that would have been like. Um, but race is such an insidious topic in this country and being able to have the privilege I have and, you know, check my ego at the door because to be clear, I don't have all the answers. And because I'm a black man doesn't mean I speak for the totality of, you know, the black experience. It isn't monolithic, but there is an element of 
I really think it's allowed us to become closer because we've both been able to see different perspectives and I've been able to truly understand what it means to have a partner, to understand, you know, sometimes I just need to be alone and you not feeling like you need to force me to talk, but when I am talk, you're there. And yeah, there is an education process involved, but it's not, hey, when you're ready to talk, I teach and vice versa. And so I think going back to what you said about just feeling kind of grounded in the relationship, it's it's okay for me to realize that I'm not perfect either. And there are going to be times where I say some stuff I shouldn't say or get mad at you because you know you have access to things I don't or you see the world differently. And hopefully we're able to understand that those nuances are what make this great, not what make this uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I also feel so lucky in a way because I've been able to... What, what I think is really cool for me about our relationship is that I've... I've learned the value of observing and honoring and admiring a partner from afar without having to be a part of what they're doing. So, you know, when, especially in the wake of George Floyd's murder, there was so much happening at work for you. There was so much happening personally for you. And to be there as a support, but also just to bear witness to who you are without feeling like I had to be necessarily a part of every one of those moments was really cool for me. Like that, that independent within relationship, but also knowing that both of us are cornerstones that we can definitely lean on at any moment. But just to see you step in at a time that was like, I can't comprehend what you were feeling. So for you to step in in a way that I've just never seen anyone do before was so, so powerful. How, from my perspective, it was so powerful. How are you feeling? Especially like at work. From my perspective, I felt nervous. I felt scared. I felt courageous. And, you know, in a lot of these instances, it's easy to look back afterwards and say I had poise or say I had whatever, but going through it, it wasn't easy, right? And I, and I definitely took risks and I was fortunate enough to be on, you know, kind of a firm wide call at some point. And I was the most junior person on that call, but I just had a prayer before I started speaking because I made clear to ensure that this wasn't about me, right? Like this was the moment. And this was, again, me saying that I even want to change that narrative from saying that this is a moment to a movement and understanding that as a black man, you know, the the Amy Cooper situation was scarier to me than the George Floyd situation. And I was embarrassed to admit that to people. And I was scared to admit that to people. How is it that a man being murdered at the hands of the police, you know, wasn't as petrifying as a quote unquote nonviolent, luckily situation with Amy and Christian Cooper. And, you know, I say that because again, having to say that I need to check my privilege and my ego at the door, uh, I've been able to sit in some rooms that very many people who look like me haven't had the opportunity to do. Mm -hmm. And particularly given the deaths of George Floyd, Ahmaud Arbery, Breonna Taylor, Rayshard Brooks, to only name a few, 
it'd be very easy for me to kind of sit in my privileged seat or the metaphor I use to now be in the house, so to speak, and no longer be in the field and think that I'm the man or think that because I'm quote unquote protected that I didn't need to say anything. And again, this is not who I am. And it's not to say that what I said was correct. It's not to say that what I said was easy. It's not to say that what I said hit the way it needed to, but it is to say that I felt grounded. I felt like I was being called to use my voice in a way that some people who didn't have my privilege aren't able to. Yeah. I think, you know, from the time that I met you, your your voice is something that I just, it always stays with me and is so powerful. You speak so much truth into me on a regular basis. And I think I hear you on the phone all the time speaking truth into other people, asking questions, being curious as well. Where does that come from? You know, as someone, me, who uses their voice for a living, but has insecurity around how I express myself sometimes because I feel, because I'm judging it as it's coming out of my mouth. How have you overcome that if you ever dealt with that? And why is it important? Second question is like that you are always, that you're always learning more to kind of support how you use your voice. Yeah, good question. To be clear, I'm sweating right now because uh, the truth of the matter is I'm insecure. I'm self-conscious. I have a lot of things I'm working on. I think one of the differences I try to think about often is what am I playing for? And you alluded to it earlier, but for me, like I, I serve a higher calling or I'm here for a bigger calling. So yes, I, I want to be liked by people, but I don't need to be. And that goes back to what I said earlier about, like, I get that I'm not for everyone, but, and I have this argument with one of my closest friends all the time, but if you're friends with everyone, you're friends with no one. And people really struggle when I say that, oh, I want this person like me. I want this many likes. I, I want, I'm like, yeah, if I post a picture on Instagram, I'm going to see how many likes I have too. Like, uh, we, mm. we all do it, but I'm not as attached to that number because I know that what I posted was authentic to me. And hopefully the people who do like it are along for the ride. The people who don't like it will say, forget this person and, you know, unfollow me or whatever. And there are a lot of people who I know see it and won't say anything, but it comes back to grace, right? And it's that, it's that understanding of I'm doing this from a place of love as opposed to, to for love or I'm trying to acquire your love. And that's why when I'm in relationships or friendships or whatever, just shifting the perspective from I hope that this person likes what I'm saying to, I hope that what I'm saying is true to me mm -hmm. because then I can look myself in the mirror and at the end of the day, feel content because it's not going to be right for everyone. Or I also, I'm a big quote guy, as you know, um, <laughs> but Brene Brown, who I love and, you know, I've had my ups and downs with her and the way she talks about certain things. But one of her quotes she says often is, I am not here to be right. I am here to get it right. And I think that that's just so truthful because going back to what you said about truth, when you really dig deep on a lot of the things we're talking about, it's easy to say surface level because then you don't have to take a side. And when people take a side, then they have to defend it. And when you have to defend it and you really boil it down, you may not even know why you think this a certain way about something. You may not want to admit 
that you know it's wrong. And, you know, we're all human. And I don't know, it's just like, it's an understanding that, again, this is is my grace. And I want to make sure that I am also passing that along to other people. Yeah, just taking that in. Yeah, there's something so powerful about trusting that the people that love you most, and even the people that have no stake in what you're doing, really do want you to be yourself and really do want you to speak your truth. Whether whether it hurts them or not, I think this like construct that I need to say it a certain way or say things so people feel comfortable is, is one, no one's ever told me that, that they wanted that from me. It's just, it for me, it, it reinstates like how fucking powerful our minds are and how they could be used for a lot of good and how it can really hold us back to say the very least and sabotage so much good. So I just love that. I love coming from grace rather than wanting to get grace or get love or get anything. I'd love to talk about faith because from my experience, you brought, you know, God, faith back into my life. I think, you know, moving out to LA, I definitely felt connected to something much greater than myself simply for the fact that how I got out to LA and everything that ensued upon saying yes to that opportunity was so divine and opened up so many doors for me and just (laughs) helped me, most importantly, helped me to learn so much about myself at a very high rate of speed. But I grew up in a Catholic upbringing, Catholic school, mainly middle school into high school. And I just kind of rejected it. You know, I didn't really relate to it. I, you know, my parents weren't very religious. And so I didn't really see the value in what it was all about. And didn't mean I didn't believe in God, but I wasn't, I wasn't talking to God on a regular basis. I wasn't, you know, having conversations and having that integrated into how I was living my life. And so for you to be so present to, the workings of God in your life and the presence of God in your life was very new to me, but also felt so true to me. Like, especially when we reconnected, I was like, this is true. It didn't feel so foreign. It didn't feel like outside of myself. It felt like you were just uncovering something that already lived within me. So yeah, I'd love to just talk about like, your faith and the role that you feel like it plays on a daily basis. And yeah, I guess my intention with that question is to really give people permission to talk about that. Because I think a lot of people kind of put it in their closet and they're like, I do this. I either pray or I go to church and I don't really talk about a lot because we don't talk about church, you know, like what are people going to think? Yeah, no, I appreciate you asking that. I think it's very much a taboo topic like sex, politics, and religion. I, I often say I consider myself a, a more spiritual person than religious person. And maybe that's a defense mechanism because I got people who I pray with who can quote scripture much better than I can. Um, and 
you know, maybe that makes them more religious or some people who tout the Bible and do some things that I don't necessarily agree with, right? So I don't know where certain people come out on that spectrum. But suffice it to say, I was raised Baptist and I remember going to church with my mom when I was younger and she would catch the Holy Spirit and be speaking in tongues. And it was at the time, like one of the most embarrassing things when my mom would be, you know, hands flailing, falling. And I'm sitting there like, what is happening? Because that was her experience. It wasn't my experience. And so when I got old enough and I had enough agency to not need to go to church, or I shouldn't say not need, but chose not to go to church, you know, she no longer forced me to. And it was crazy because it was my junior year in college. I was standing online at a Barnes and Noble and a gentleman, long story short, ended up seeing that I had some football paraphernalia on. We struck up a conversation. I had made a mental math error. And again, it was my insecurity and my self-consciousness about not being able to do the mental math quickly enough that I then reached out to this gentleman because I wanted to acknowledge that I saw him, but I wanted to feel better about the fact that I wanted him to know that I could do the mental math. That led to a series of emails, a bunch of correspondence. We ended up meeting at that Barnes & Noble once a week, every week from you know junior year to the time I graduated. And it's bananas, babe, because he's the one who led me back to my faith. And on paper, we have nothing in common. You know, I'm a 6'3 black dude from New York who played football and ran track in college. This was a whatever, 5'5", five, five, white-haired, you know, country boy who grew up in Maine. It was just very different. And I remember one time... Uh, I had gotten him an Adele CD because Adele had always been playing in the Barnes & Noble. And I got him this for Christmas. And I was like, yeah, Bob, what'd you hear? Like, I love her music. The the melodies are great. Her voice is beautiful. It's just incredible. And he goes, Sean, I hear pain. I was like, excuse me? And he's like, what she's singing about is heartbreak, is sorrow. And I tell that story because it was just the difference in the nuance and perspectives. We're both looking at the same thing or hearing the same music from the same artist, but seeing it in a different lens. And this is what I bring back to my spirituality because when I'm living from a place of grace, people idolize or you know call it something. You may not call it God. You may, not, you may call it money. You may call it something, but there's something that you do every day, every single day, that once you are cognizant of it, you may be like, oh man, I can't spend so much time doing this. I want to get closer to me. But Bob is essentially the gentleman who, throughout our conversation, it, you know, there was always this undercurrent of faith. And I'm like, I don't get it. How is it that this dude who didn't really know me before we first met has allowed me to talk about women, relationships, school, sports, family, and I have not once ever felt judged? So if there's something about his faith, like I want that. I want to get closer to that because I want to be able to have that in my life. Mm -hmm. And so it was actually my senior year in college I started going to church at school. And then every year since I've been in the city, I go to church currently. I love that story. Um, I remember going to church with you. You would probably remember like the year of our knowing each other, but it was quite early on. And we went to Hillsong in New York off of Union Square. And that was a moment where I understood that church didn't need to look or feel like I had been exposed to growing up. 
I went to school where like I was taught by nuns, like, you know, it was very kind of traditionally Catholic, which is fine. But Hillsong, there's music, which just like speaks to me so profoundly. And um, it just felt like really vibrant and outside of the box in terms of how people worship, you know, in my experience. So that was really cool. But at the same time, it was also kind of like, ooh, like, am I, am I going back to this? Like, am I going back to like going to church? And what does that mean? And kind of the Catholic guilt started to started to come back where I'm like, okay, so do I have to go every Sunday now? And like, does he think I have to go every Sunday? And like, what is he going to expect from me? You, not God. (laughs) You know what I mean? Quick tangent. So the the one thing I'll say about that, which was so cool for me, is this goes back to this theme we've been talking about, but that I try to live by. And that's just being authentic, right? Like uh, a lot of girls who have dated have come to church with me, not because I'm trying to woo people and be like, yo, I'm the man, I go to church. I, I got a lot of flaws. I'm trying to get better just like the rest of us. But when I think about dating in particular, it's I'm doing stuff I was going to do anyway, and I'm bringing someone along with me, right? And so many people going back to this performance and you want to try to do things to get people to like you. It's like, I'm going to know really early on in us dating if this is going to have legs because I don't, I don't take girls to drinks. I don't got time. You're going to spend the same amount of money you probably would if you were getting dinner. And if I can't eat and have a real conversation with you, then it's probably not going to work. And by the way, I'm a firm believer that you can learn something from everyone. And so if coming to church to me and being like, yo, I got to go there every Sunday, this, this is not what I want, so be it. However, what I appreciated about you is that we would then discuss it, right? It didn't always need to be like this long, drawn out conversation. But if you didn't want to come or, you know, obviously we had a bunch of fits and starts, but it wasn't a function of making you feel guilt for not doing something as much as it was providing an avenue for something, as you alluded to earlier, was already inside of you and allowed you access to it. Yeah, the our relationship container has just taught me that where it's, I'm not doing it necessarily for you, right? Like, I think if you are positively affected by the choices that I make, then amazing. But it's been really healing for me to just detach from that need to be, I'm doing this for you. Because like, what does that, what does that do to you? You know, it's like this distorted pressure I put upon you. So yeah, all that to say, like the, the role that speaking to God and collaborating with God now has in my life is very cool. Very, very cool and very healing. And it's also just, I think what what he's doing is like supporting me and becoming more comfortable and confident in who I am and why I'm here. And that's like, even just through my conversations, like in prayer, because the act of praying for me was something that I used to judge myself doing. Am I doing this right? Am I saying everything right? Is he hearing me? Is this the right time? Is he awake? Like, you know what I mean? So I think like the actual just act of talking to God is, is has been so vital in me becoming more confident as a person on earth right now. He sat back. He's still sweating. Still sweating. <laughs> I... So we've been in, in quarantine for three months. Sean is leaving in a couple of days to go back to New York. So we are entering part two of long distance. 
I do want to talk a little bit about long distance. I did a solo episode on long distance. I don't know if I told you that. Didn't tell you that, but I did. So I would actually love to hear. Was this pre-me or with me? With you, like a couple weeks ago. Oh, really? Yeah. Check it out. I'll send you the link. Yeah. How do I get there? <laughs> how do I access? Guys, I have to tell you, guys, everyone, I'm trying not to say guys as much. Um, I have, I have to say that Sean is one of the things I love about him the most is how how technologically challenged he is. It's amazing. And I love helping him with tech issues. That's like how I help. Anyway. Okay, so how are you How are you feeling about part two of long distance? Oh, that you're done? Yeah. <laughs> um. Guys, if you're a fly on the wall in our conversations, that is something that he says all the... Are you done? Meaning... I don't necessarily have very full thoughts that come out of my mouth. <laughs> yeah. Um, how am I feeling about part two? I can't wait to go back to New York. And again, that's no knock at you. Three months in someone else's space is is a lot. And until it's our space, and I know you've given me full freedom and liberty to do what I want, which I appreciate, but it's still, you know, very... And by the way, guys, pink. three months ago, I would have been sad if you said that. So I've made progress. No, 100%. Yeah, you, you know, know what I mean? You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, you definitely have. Um, but no, I, I'm excited, right? It, it's going to be difficult. I'm entering a new season for work and figuring out what that's going to look like. So we have to understand, you know, the cadence and the growth and what that means. And I'm probably going to be on the road a lot if the world reopens and I'm able to travel. But it's going to be head down grinding. And I think, again, going back to the blessings, I don't know what's next for us, but I know that these last three months have given me an opportunity to really understand how you think, how we operate and the trust involved. And I think what's also really cool is, and we joked about it at breakfast this morning, but you know, we said we really just like being in one another's presence. And that was something, I don't want to say we took it for granted, but that's something that I'm definitely going to miss because there were times we were both grinding with work where we didn't necessarily talk for a couple hours because we were both grinding. Um, but what's that going to look like when I'm in New York and you're here and you have a big piece of news you want to tell me or I had a rough day, you know, I can't just walk in here and see you and give you a kiss. But, you know, I'm excited to continue for our relationship to evolve. What would you say to people who are in a long distance relationship, especially because of COVID? It's just kind of a little wonky, but. And if they're in a relationship with someone who is super independent, you know, working a lot um, and just experiencing this in a different way, experiencing COVID, experiencing um, what's happening in our country and in the world with, you know, racial injustice, like just so many layers of people's experiences. What would you say to them has, has really helped you to gain perspective and also keep connection? Yeah. The first thing I would say is this shit is hard. And I say that because once that's your baseline, I think it's you start to show gratitude and appreciate more of the moments you do have as opposed to comparing it to what it would be like if you were together. And, you know, it makes me think a lot about my last relationship and my ex-girlfriend who is smart, beautiful. She's amazing. We clearly had our differences and that's why we broke up. 
But I remember early on, she had said, you know, she didn't want to be in a long distance relationship. And I don't know a lot of people who like are, who want to be in one. So that's not a knock at her as much as I think she genuinely didn't. She made that adjustment for me, but it was really difficult because that was her stance when she started. And that kind of, you know, sat on top of the rest of our relationship. And that makes it difficult because, you know, it's that decision where if you know something going in and you don't know that you're going to budge, um, it makes it increasingly difficult. And, you know, the knock on me was, I don't think I did a good job of setting boundaries in that relationship. And I would do things for her, whether it was staying up late to talk, et cetera, that I may not have, you know, been as cognizant about. But I just think communication is vitally important because if you're not communicating, it's just going to fester. It's going to fester and fester. And one of you may get mad and take it out on the other person and vice versa. But long distance relationships are really, really, really hard. And, you know, particularly given we just talked about the murders of George Floyd, you know, Breonna Taylor, Rayshard Brooks, et cetera. But I don't care what anyone says, the way I view it, or I shouldn't say I don't care what anyone says, from my perspective, a lot of what happens in long distance relationships is you're living the relationship in your head, right? And particularly if you don't have a strong foundation of having been together for an extended period of time, it's a lot of romant like being romanticized. And I think what's been good, at least for us through this time, is it's just been together. Whereas when we're doing long distance and the world was up and running, you would come to New York and we'd go out to restaurants, we'd go out to events, we'd go out and do something or vice versa. Whereas this time will hopefully allow people to understand that, you know, communication, respect, understanding, empathy, like simple, but not easy. And trusting that you have all those things and continuing to work on them, I think is a really good place to start. Yeah. I think so many of those things you mentioned, like going out to dinner, events, et cetera, like of course, all those things are fun and we'll do those things. But this time has taught me so much, not only my dependency on those things within relationship in the past, because even now, like this weekend is our last weekend. I'm like, should we like go somewhere? Should I book a hotel somewhere? Make it different, like make it fun. And I really had to sit with it because I'm like, okay, what is, what is the intention with that? You know, is it... Is your connection going to be different? No. Like, it's still going to be great and intentional. Like, is it just the environment? And yes, of course, that helps. I think, like, these times are so difficult to be in one place all the time. But I do think I've learned, you know, it's those little moments. You know, you say it all the time. You're like, I'm just going to miss, like, these little moments of being able to, like, peek in and say hi to you in the studio or go to bed next to you or wake up next to you and you know, within these last three months and just being in a relationship with you, I've just found so much love in those little moments for myself and for you. I'm just like, oh man, his eyes, I could just stare at them forever. It's just really- Are you tearing cool. up? Yeah, I am. Got it. <laughs> it's just so cool. Like that's what it's about. You know, like everything could disappear. You know, all the fancy shit could, could disappear. And I, and I know a lot of people are experiencing that. They've lost their jobs. You know, they're, they've been uprooted and have to move or whatever. They have to sacrifice a lot. And I, I just, I feel so rich no matter what because of this relationship and the relationship that I've cultivated with myself 
that you really helped to support? What have you learned about me that's either terrified you or or surprised you or (laughs) made you laugh? I think what's been really surprising has been your vulnerability. And I say that because, you know, it's been important for me to know that you are a public figure and want you to remain authentic, but not at the sacrifice of our relationship and wanting to keep some of those small moments just to us as we've talked about. But when you've had, whether it was situations at work, with family, with my family, with friends, and you've allowed me to peer deeper into who you are, it's been surprising. And I think in a really good and authentic way. So thank you. But I also think it's surprising how little you ask for help and frustrating at times because you are so strong, like my mom. But, you know, we we all need someone. And I'd argue we all need more than one person. And that's not for intimacy and relationship as much as it is like to bounce ideas off of and therapy, et cetera. But yeah, I think those two, I think those two things jump out. Why did you ask me for a good quote? And how did you feel when you learned who James Baldwin is? (laughs) So yeah, I asked Sean, I actually forget why I asked you for a good quote. I'm always asking. Sean is, if you don't know, quote king. Um, he he sends out a, a twice weekly newsletter called the MML. This is a plug, but and so I, I asked him for a quote, and he gave me a a James Baldwin quote. Do you want to recite it? I can look it up, but I think it was the one that was essentially. If I love you, I have to make you conscious of things that you don't see. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And when I heard the quote, I loved it. I said, who, who said that? And he's like, James Baldwin. I said, who's that? And it was a moment, brief moment, because we had had a lot of hard conversations already around race. By hard, I just mean, you know heart opening and challenging in a good way. I felt brief embarrassment, but I did feel a sense of like ownership of what I don't know. Like it was a moment where I knew that I'm in a relationship where all parts of me, the parts that are that have blind spots that are still in process and learning that you are going to hold space for. So I really didn't sit in that embarrassment for long and quickly became really very interested in his writing. And um, I think a Maybe a week later, we watched I Am Not Your Negro on uh, Netflix, um, which I highly recommend. But yeah, I think that just, that was a moment where it was a great example for me of like, didn't know, owning that. And what was that moment there 
to teach me or to inspire me to do next? I think it was both, but I actually don't remember the story going down that way. I actually, and I could be completely wrong, so take this with a grain of salt, but I actually remember I walked by your computer and I saw James Baldwin's name up and like, I guess you were reading and I don't know if you just written something on him, but I felt some type of way that you didn't ask me in the moment. So it came up after the fact, but nonetheless, I, it was it was a really important moment for me because one, I want you to be able to say, I don't know when you don't know. And I think again, there is a learning that we both have to do in two quick stories. But, you know, uh, I had buddies send me pictures being like, yo, let's go with Lindsay's eye. <laughs> and I started laughing, but I remember the moment I was in the living room. I have a room. black guy. I, I got hit with <laughs> podcasting equipment. I was in the living room doing work and ready for bed. And, you know, I kind of had my routine down and I heard something drop. I heard you yell, babe, babe, babe. You walked out, hand over your eye. I saw blood dripping and you like, I think we need to go to the emergency room. And the first thought in my head was coronavirus. I don't know if we can necessarily go to the emergency room. And then the one A thought was, damn sure not taking you to the emergency room because black guy taking white woman with a black eye to the emergency room, like that, that just has a whole bunch of hair around it. And it was something where in that moment, you know, there's an I don't know, but I'd be willing to venture that that thought was not even a thought in your mind of, oh, Sean can't take me to... No, it was not. Yeah, Sean can't take me to the emergency room. And, you know, I would consider that privilege, mm -hmm. right? Like, that's not something that you're actively thinking about. And I don't think you're bad for doing so because you're like, I'm hurt. I want to go to the hospital. That's rational thinking. Whereas for me, it was like, let me make for damn sure that we don't need to go to the hospital because that is the last case, yeah. you know, or, or yeah, last scenario I want to happen for all the other things that then my mind runs to. That's one side of it. The other side of it is I remember a situation a couple years back where it was actually with my ex-girlfriend, but we were playing a game and we were playing a game called Har Harmon Killer Brew. And long story short, someone has to say the name of a famous actor or a celebrity whose first name begins with the first letter of the last person's, of the previous person's last name. Long story short, I, a black man, said Octavia Butler. No one challenged me except her. And she raised her hand and she goes, I don't, I don't know who Octavia Butler is. And I crushed her in front of everyone. And I go, are you kidding? You're you are going to date a black man and not know who Octavia Butler is? You got to be kidding me, mind you. Looking back, and I'll tell you the rest of the story, but I actually met Octavia Spencer, the actress. And so other people looked it up after kind of the session already happened. And they were like, Sean, you really meant Octavia Butler, the science fiction author? And in that moment, I knew I was caught because I had lied. But I was so embarrassed that I had already crushed her, a white woman, because here I was, this black guy who at the time thought that what I said was gospel. When I could have easily have in that moment been like, you are right. And so I say this to say that you having the privilege of not thinking about going to the hospital with a black guy who is thinking about what could happen is to me in some ways synonymous with me thinking that I have this privilege of because I'm black, 
I can't make mistakes about Black culture, right? I don't know everything about Black culture, and that doesn't make me less Black. It also doesn't make the way people view me in public different. Mm. And this just goes back to why I'm so appreciative that you are willing to do the work because that moment showed that there were times where I wasn't willing to do the work or admit when I was wrong and say, I could have handled the situation a lot better. But that again, loops back to that whole Brene Brown comment of, we all got work to do. And yes, given the current zeitgeist, I do wish that you know some of my white colleagues, friends, et cetera, um, were doing a lot more of the work themselves, but th- there's definitely work that needs to be done throughout. Mm-hmm. Thanks for sharing that. Well, this was fun. I appreciate you. Can I ask you one more question before we go? Uh, yeah. (laughs) Hey, y'all, these are, these are the conversations that Sean and I are having every (laughs) single day. So you have a peek into my life. (laughs) Um, Our life. If there was a first time listener listening to this, who didn't know much about you, I don't know, they heard about this podcast through a friend. What is something that you would want to ensure or you would want to hope that they took away from this conversation right now? It's a great question, babe. Thank you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there's going to there's gonna be a poll. Who wants Sean to host on the podcast after this? <laughs> um, for this conversation in particular, it's it's really cool for me and just gives me a whole other understanding of how supported I am by God, by the universe, by every little thing that when I was really far from myself eight years ago, nine years ago, 10 years ago, like early mid twenties, I hope everyone's nodding their head because it is a time. I did not have any sense of what was good for my soul. And it's been the hardest, the most rewarding, the most thrilling work and journey to be walking towards my soul and like really listening to her. And the fact that our relationship has been a part of that I will always honor. And and so like the part of that that I hope people take away is like, one, your growth is incremental. You're going to change. You might change your beliefs. You might change how you want to show up in the world and that's okay. And in doing so, and trusting yourself to do so, you will be gifted with like the coolest, the most fulfilling moments, relationships, and opportunities that you probably couldn't even imagine. And like you are one of them. And so because I have this experience with you and continue to have this experience with you, it really like, it it shows me that like for me to trust in my evolution and allow that growth to happen. I'm going to, 
I'm going to be gifted and supported in so many ways and surprised in so many ways. And that's truly like, that's truly what life is all about. Love you. I love you. Thank you so much, Sean. Let's all find him on Instagram. <laughs> Just kidding. Yeah, whoever finds him first wins. Yes. Um, no, I appreciate you guys listening, holding space for that in your cars and wherever you are. Um, that was a special one. Yeah, that means so much. We love Sean so much. So it's been beautiful to see the journey and see you in love and support it. It's, it's full know. circle, baby. Truly full circle. What a journey. Truly Here you are circle. thriving and here I am. Miserable. (laughs) Just kidding. Um, Shopalmost30.com. You guys can get the softest apparel ever made by a female-owned company here in LA. All of our workshops, courses. If you want to do a podcast, yourpodcastpro.com for self, you know, self-guided programs to help you launch, grow, and monetize a podcast. And then you can follow us on Almost 30 Podcasts on Instagram, on Pinterest, on YouTube, on Twitter. We'd love to connect with you. And we're so thankful that you're here and that you're sharing this with your friends. Truly. Thank you all. We will see you on the next one. We'll see you soon.